What's up, everybody? Welcome into On the Edge with Alec Etheridge. I am your host, Alec Etheridge. And what an exciting week to start a college football podcast. Uh, Our first game of the 2019 season this Saturday, week zero, uh, really our first games. There are a few on the schedule, but the primetime matchup there between Florida and Miami in Jerry World uh, there in Dallas, Texas is exciting. Um, and we're all looking forward to that in the college football world. But just to kind of give you a feel for the podcast and what we're going to try to do with this, most of you know me for covering high school sports in Shelby County and across the Birmingham metro area. Uh, So this is really just for fun for me. I really uh, want to share my passion for the sport of college football, and we're going to do that by going around the SEC a lot uh, and following the major storylines across the uh, Southeastern Conference as well as college football, but the majority of it's going to be focused on Alabama, uh, Alabama and Auburn, uh, and, and what's happening with those programs. That being said, each week at the end of the show, we're going to pick against the spread every SEC game, just give you a couple of details about those games and why I think it's going to go one way or another, and we're going to start that at the end of this episode when we pick uh, Florida, the Florida-Miami game. Right now, Florida minus seven and a half point favorite in that contest. So we'll talk a lot about that at the end of the show and why I think uh, it's going to lean in favor of one of those two teams when you're picking against the spread. But uh, some other big happenings across the college football world this week. Uh, Monday afternoon, the first AP poll of the 2019 season released the preseason AP top 25. A lot of storylines in that, uh, as well as uh, some other big news, specifically Alabama's injuries in fall practice so far and the Auburn quarterback battle, which officially came to an end yesterday. And that's obviously the breaking news that everybody wants to talk about. Uh, Gus Malzahn announced that decision yesterday when he named Bo Nix the starter for that opener against the Oregon Ducks a week from this coming Saturday. That's going to be number 16 Auburn versus number 11 Oregon. And what a matchup to start your tenure as the starting quarterback uh of the Auburn Tigers. And that's something, if you really break it down and look at it, it is an an incredibly genius decision by Gus Malzahn on several facets, specifically when it comes to his job. And uh, I haven't heard a lot of talk about that. I've seen a lot of positive thoughts after this. I've seen a lot of people say they still want Gatewood, uh, Joey Gatewood, to be the quarterback. Uh, But I've also seen a lot of positivity surrounding Bo Nix. He's a guy I got to see at the high school level a couple times. He and Talia Tungavaloa, who's now a freshman and younger brother of Tua Tungavaloa there at Alabama, they are the two best high school quarterbacks I've ever seen. Uh, And both, it it was hard to give an edge to one or another. And so Nix definitely has the capability to go in. Uh, He obviously proved that he could win this job over Joey Gatewood, who knew the system and was a little bit more experienced there at Auburn, but for him to go in and win this job, Nix has shown that he can handle Auburn's offense and that he can do what Gus Malzahn wants to do. And Gus Malzahn wasn't going to take this decision lightly, specifically with him taking over the play calling duties this year, but that's not the only smart decision that he made with this. This not only helps Nix's future and gaining exposure this year and experience in one of the toughest schedules that we have for Uh, any football team across the landscape of college football this year, but it builds for the future of Gus Malzahn. 
This is a guy that's been on the hot seat the last couple of years. And when you're starting a true freshman quarterback, there's obviously ex- expectations at Auburn every year. They want to win, especially with the success that we've seen from Alabama over the last several years. But at the same time, a true freshman going up against this schedule where they're taking on number 11 Oregon, number 12 Texas A&M, number 8 Florida, number 6 LSU, number 3 Georgia, and number 2 Alabama – that's a schedule that a true freshman is going to have to go in and make make some plays to win games, and that's going to be tough to do. But what that does is if Auburn struggles this year, I'm not saying they're going to struggle. I'm saying if they do struggle, this gives Malzahn an out moving forward. A true freshman quarterback going up against four top eight teams, three top six teams, and two top three teams, and then you throw in uh, number 11 Oregon and number 12 Texas A&M, He's Nick's is never going to face that kind of schedule again, uh, or at least not one more difficult than that. So getting that experience as a true freshman uh, really it sets this this program up for a bright future. And I already think Nick's is more talented than Stidham, or just as talented as Stidham has been the last few years. And the reason Jared Stidham struggled at quarterback for the Auburn Tigers was the lack of experience on the offensive line and the lack of skill players around him. I already think Nix has an upgrade at the offensive line this year, and I think that he has more skill players surrounding him as well, uh, not to mention one of the best defenses in the country that's going to keep this Auburn offense in games. They're going to have chances to win games throughout the season. And if Nix can come out and show that he can beat number 11 Oregon in the opener and make some plays early in that one, he's a dual-threat guy that can use his legs and run Gus Malzahn's offense the way that he wants it run, specifically with him calling plays again this year and running that offense. So overall, it was a genius decision by Gus Malzahn to make that decision. He said yesterday in a press conference that uh, that Nix has made all the plays and he's not your average freshman. He's an above-average freshman. And from seeing him at the high school level, he's been playing since he was an eighth grader, uh, set all kinds of records, the state's leader in passing and touchdowns in Alabama history. So he's a guy that's primed for this. But that said, all of that said, complimenting him and Malzahn for making this decision, he is still a true freshman going into the college level of, of football. And there's always going to be some growing pains, especially when you're facing probably the most difficult schedule in the country. Um, I do think it helps that he starts out with Oregon right off the uh, right off the bat. That's going to be a tough matchup for him right off the bat. And then you have Tulane and Kent State to follow. So he's going to be able to gain some momentum if they win that Oregon game and then they go on to start 3-0 and with him going into that matchup with Texas A&M. That's what can really build this team moving forward. So uh, that gives him the confidence and the will to want to do better and continue to progress. But at the same time, when you're facing a, the difficult schedule that they do, you could easily see them losing all of those games against top 12 opponents. And that would put them at an 0-6 an record against those top teams. And uh, that's something that could really go a long way towards this team's success this year. So, uh, I, I do think it's a good decision. I think it builds for Auburn's future to have that freshman quarterback stepping in uh, and ready to go. But at the same time, there's going to be some struggles at times. He's going to be a freshman quarterback. 
Uh, and if he is the above average freshman quarterback, he's going to come in and he's going to make some noise early. I just think there's going to be a little bit of struggle there uh, at times when you do face those pesky SEC defensive fronts. And, uh, you know, against Oregon, that first game, uh, it's a team where he really does have a chance at, at success. Uh, it's an Oregon defense that ranked 55th in the country last year, 57th in team sacks, 82nd in pass defense. Uh, they did have 17 interceptions and return three starters to the secondary, but at the same time, uh, it's an Oregon defense that struggled to stop the pass last year. And not only that, they're going to have to account for Nix's legs as well. He's a very talented runner uh, out of the backfield as well. So all in all, I do think he's in for success against Oregon to start the season, uh, but he's going to have to prove that he can handle the pressure of a blitz at the college football level. Um, Oregon's not a team that's going to really pressure you too much, uh, but they're going to try to challenge uh, that Auburn defensive front and put as much pressure on the true freshman in his first start as, poss- uh, as as they possibly can. And, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if we do see Joey Gatewood at some point in that game. Uh, but if it's a close game um, and Auburn scored a touchdown or two and uh, is down by one or two scores, I do think that they keep, they keep him in there, uh, Nick's in there, to make him uh, really test the battle early on and see what he can handle and if he can lead the team to a win. But I expect, I, I do expect Knicks to have a strong opener uh, against Oregon. Um, it's a Pac-12 defense, a defense that struggled against the pass last year. So I think that that kind of benefits him. And the Auburn defense is going to keep them in the game. That being said, I do think you'll see Gatewood at times in special packages. Um, and if you do see Knicks struggle, then you will see Gatewood step in and try uh, to take over the job as well. But this is Nix's job to lose now. If he can go in uh, and really prove himself early on in this Oregon game and not let Gatewood see the field, uh, it's tough to see Nick stepping off the field the rest of the season. Uh, and that bodes well for Auburn fans because that's three years ahead of you with a starting quarterback that is extremely talented. This is a kid that by the time he is a junior will be competing for a Heisman uh, if he pans out and does gain that that uh that experience and takes those steps forward. So there's a lot of faith in him. Obviously, uh, Nick said in his press conference yesterday that this is what he signed up for when he came to Auburn, and now's the time to show it. So uh, it's going to be exciting to see how he handles the position. I think he's more than capable of being able to do so. Um, but being thrown into the fire is a different thing than just signing up for it. Uh, so we'll see how he handles it all. Game one a week from Saturday is number 16 Auburn takes on number 11 Oregon. That will obviously be, be one of the storylines because uh, that first week of college football, that is the game on that Saturday. Most people will be tuned into that from a national standpoint, uh, and that will give him good exposure, and a lot of people will be watching to see how Knicks handles that situation and whether Gatewood gets any time at all. But uh, it's going to be exciting to watch as we get ready for that first full Saturday of college football. Um, some other things in the news this week. Obviously, on Monday, the AP Top 25 preseason poll was released, uh, and it was it was interesting in some spots. Um, I think the things that stuck out, obviously, the SEC had four teams in the top 10. Um, that's to come to be expected at this point. Um, sometimes you're surprised that they don't have at least five in the top 10, if not more. Um, but they do have five in the top 15 uh, and six 
in the top 25. Now, the crazy thing is that the Big Ten totaled seven teams, uh, the most of any conference uh, any conference out there in the first poll of the 2019 season. Um, and, you know, that's a little bit interesting, but I do think Ohio State, uh, obviously, at number five, uh, and then you have Michigan at number seven. Those are the two teams that are really going to challenge for that top spot in the Big Ten. One of those teams will really threaten for a college football playoff spot uh, as well. But the the Big Ten, obviously, having seven teams in there was a big thing that, that stuck out from that poll. But in the SEC, something that's really kind of been on my mind uh, is, is LSU and Florida. Um, to have LSU, obviously the top four we all expected – um, with Clemson being number one, Alabama number two, Georgia number three, and Oklahoma number four. And you probably expected Ohio State to be number five as well, despite the coaching change and uh, the tough quarterback battle there where Justin Fields was just recently named the starter for the Buckeyes. But what really caught my, si- my eye outside of the top five teams, which we all expected, was LSU and Florida. Um you know, LSU came in at number six, a team that finished ten and three a season ago. Florida number eight, a team that finished ten and three a season ago. And if you ask me which coach I have more faith in moving forward, Dan Mullen or Ed Orgeron, it would definitely be Dan Mullen. Um, I don't think either right now has proven that they belong as a top ten team. I do think Mullen is making the right progressions. I do think Orgeron uh, was close last year to having this team as a, uh, a team that with only one loss. And so they're both kind of right there, uh, but closing the gaps on Alabama, closing the gaps on Georgia uh, for both of those teams, it's not there yet. And it's an LSU team. I hear this every year going into the season. Oh, they're, they're just so talented this year. This is an LSU team that just has so much talent. I've heard it every single year for the last several years, and I've heard it again this year going into the season, and I know they have the talent. They are obviously talented every year, but eventually you're not that talented. You're not talented enough to compete for a championship, Um, and and it's hard to make me believe that LSU is the number six team in the country, and I may eat crow on this, and I'll rightfully do so uh, if they go on to have a successful season this year. But Ed Orgeron's got to prove to me that he can win those big games and not lose uh, not only the big games, but games that he's not supposed to lose. Um, that's kind of bitten them the last few years. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how that kind of unfolds this year. But it's hard to convince me that Ed, an, Ed, an Ed Orgeron-coached LSU team is the number six team in the country. And same with Florida and Dan Mullen. If you followed their offseason, uh, they've lost a lot of recruits. Uh, there's been some guys kicked off the team. There's been a lot of controversy surrounding Florida this year uh, throughout the offseason. And while I do think Dan Mullen is a coach that can really do some big things at Florida in that recruiting area, I mean, heck, the guy took Mississippi State to number one. I still don't think that he's done enough to prove that Florida is a top eight team going into this season. Now, the big question becomes, who do you choose to replace both LSU and Florida. Um, I do think the rest of the top 10 is pretty solid. I do think that Texas is about the number 10 team. I think Notre Dame could possibly be pushed up a little further than ninth. Um, And I think Michigan's going to be a really good football team this year uh, as they sit at number seven. So you you can't really have an issue with where they're placed simply because it's hard to look down the rest of the list and see 
a team that's going to be uh, going into the season with more hype or a team that deserves to replace those because there's not many. But at the same time, I just don't see LSU as a number six team going into the season, and I don't see Florida as the number eight team going into the season. That being said, I really don't think it matters. I think the top five teams are set pretty much spot on, and then I think Ohio State-Michigan, that game late in the season will determine who's going to make the playoffs from the Big Ten likely. Uh, but I really do think that Clemson, Alabama, the top two teams in the country going into the year, hands down, you can't argue that. And then you look just behind that, I really do think Georgia is probably the number three team going into the season. They may even be just as good as Alabama or better uh, ahead of this football season. And then Oklahoma with Jalen Hurts transferring there, being named the starting quarterback. You have to expect that with the way that offense has set up the last couple of years under Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield, that they're going to continue to roll with a successful starting quarterback like Jalen Hurts. So those four teams, spot on. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's your college football playoff, to be honest with you. I do think if Georgia or Alabama has just one loss, I think that they'll be in the college football playoff, the both of them. Um, if one's undefeated or if both have one loss, I really do feel that um, they will be in the college football playoff. I think they're too talented. And then it comes down to Oklahoma, Ohio State, uh, and Michigan as those next three teams that I would throw in there uh, as my college football uh, final four late in the season. Uh, but the AP poll, it's a preseason poll right now. Uh, there's not much you can really take away from it. We just look for stuff to uh, talk about heading into the season. Uh, but Auburn in at number 16, uh, some of those other SEC teams, Texas A&M, came in at number 12 in the poll, uh, and that was it. So we may see some other teams jump in there. Mississippi State's on the verge. Missouri's on the verge. All those teams really talented as well and could make a name for themselves early in the season as we get going here uh, this weekend and moving forward. Another topic that I wanted to touch on, uh, the Alabama injuries to this point in the season, um, or in the offseason, I should say, Going into their first full week of game prep as they prepare for Duke and uh, the the vaunting task that or daunting task that that's going to be against the Blue Devils. But uh, if you look at the injuries they've had so far, uh, a few linebackers getting injured, uh, but specifically at running back with true freshman Trey Sanders, he was going to play a big role. Jerome Ford also injured. Um, it poses the question: Do does Alabama really need that much depth at running back this year, specifically uh, focusing on this year? Najee Harris is obviously back and is going to be one of the most talented running backs in the country this year, uh, and I think can make any play that you need him to play. Uh, Brian Robinson's another guy. He's a backup that's still pretty healthy uh, and should be uh, a talented option there as a backup to Najee. Uh, but does that running back depth concern you uh, and to me, that answer is is no, it doesn't. When you look at the talent spread across this team on the offensive line uh, and then the skill play uh, skill players out wide that Tua Tungvaloa has to throw to, he has some of the best receivers in the country all out wide for him. Uh, Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, obviously two of those guys that come to mind that can really, I mean, two of the fastest guys on the field, great hands, can run their routes, and in their second year with Tungvaloa, I think that helps tremendously. Um, where I do think it hurts hurt is with 
new offensive coordinator, Steve Sarkeesian, who's the guy that really likes to run the ball um, to set up the pass. That being said, they've worked all offseason on trying to form different plays and different things around Tua Tungvaluwa, knowing how talented he is at the quarterback position. Um, so I, I just don't I don't think that that depth at the running back positions going to be huge early in the season. I honestly think that you could throw the ball every time, and while you're going to have interceptions, you're going to take sacks, um, you could still be a successful Alabama football team. Um, where it does come in handy is when if Tua Tungvaloa gets injured, if they have to go to the backup quarterback in Mac Jones, I think that's where you would want to lean a little bit more on the run game, and you can't take another hit. So it does concern me in the fact that if Najee Harris goes down, they could be in trouble. Um, but right now it doesn't concern me as much as long as he can stay healthy. He's the whole key uh, to this offense succeeding from a ground game perspective. So it doesn't really bother me. I would be more concerned about defensive depth as we saw last year, and we've come become accustomed to with Alabama over the last couple of years as linebacker injuries uh, and the linebacker position in general just hasn't been as strong as it was three to four years ago uh, and even further back than that. So uh, if you're looking at some of those young linebackers, that's a core that should be improved this year. You're going to have some true freshmen stepping up there. Uh, I think that's an area that you want to watch. And uh, if you're going to be concerned about in game one, you want to see that defensive unit really step up and show that they've improved from last year's team. So running back depth could become a concern as the season goes along. Uh, but as long as Najee Harris stays healthy, I think that's key. And obviously, Tua Tungvaloa has got to stay healthy this year. Last year, obviously dealing with a lot of injuries, um, that caused some struggles from out for Alabama and caused some struggles specifically for him as he made that run in the SEC championship and the college football playoffs. So going into this year, he's got to be prepared and, and stay healthy in order for this team to be able to succeed in 2019. They'll get things started a week from Saturday against the Duke Blue Devils. That game will take place in Mercedes-Benz Stadium there in Atlanta, Georgia uh, at 2.30 p.m. Uh, between the Blue Devils and the Crimson Tide. Uh, we do have a game this Saturday, but before we touch on that game between the Gators and the Hurricanes, I want to talk quickly about my predictions as far as the SEC champion, the Final Four, and the National Champion. And um, obviously, I just gave you a few of my teams that I think will strongly compete for the college football Final Four. But starting with the SEC Championship, uh, I think it's pretty much set, in my opinion, that it will be Georgia and Alabama again. In the East, I do think there's going to be some talent across the SEC East this year, but it's tough for me to see somebody closing the gap, especially with Georgia having so much talent back. I think their defense is going to be better than last year. I think next year's defense is going to be even better than this year's, uh, but this is a very talented defense uh, and they have plenty of playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. Receiver may take a little bit of a hit, uh, but Jake Fromm's going to be able to find some of those younger guys. George Pickens is already stepping up as a true freshman, should be a good go-to target. Uh, and, and RBU there, as they're calling it now, Georgia. Uh, Georgia's offense is just its going to be stacked, paired with a really good defense. I think they'll run through the East this year. And then as far as the West goes, I do think that it's going to be uh, a tough path this year. Uh, but with that said, Alabama has so much talent, uh, specifically on the offensive side of the ball, that we saw what they were able to do last year. The schedule is just as easy this year as it was a season ago. I think Alabama should be able to handle 
<laughs> the SEC West, excuse me, with relative ease, um, with exception to a couple games uh, throughout the season. But nothing really concerns me um, when you look at the schedule this year. I think Texas A&M and LSU will both be games that you obviously want to watch out for um, throughout the season. But at the same time, those are teams that Alabama shouldn't have a problem with. The only thing that concerns me in those two games, um, the Texas A&M game being on the road and LSU being later in the season, uh, those are teams that could be clicking. um, And for Texas A&M, they could take advantage of that difficult environment there in College Station. For the Auburn Tigers, that's another one, though. At the end of the season, kind of like LSU, if Auburn's able to gain that confidence under Knicks as the quarterback, they have that game at home. Uh, that's a game that could concern you as well. But overall, it's nothing like the schedule that you'll see Auburn playing. Um, it's tough to see Alabama losing more than one game on that schedule. Uh, if they slip up once, especially early in the season or midway through the season against Texas A&M, uh, that could be something uh, to watch out for. But I think that they would rebound from that and have a strong end to the season as well. So uh, I fully do expect Alabama to go on win the SEC West, and in the SEC championship game, um, you know, this is the last – we've obviously seen Alabama-Georgia the last couple years. Um, It's hard to tell what's going to happen with this one just because Georgia seems to have closed that gap. They've been so close. You know they're going to be fueled after the last couple of losses in heartbreaking fashion. Uh, But it's it's one that – while Georgia, I think, is fueled – Alabama knows they can't waste two as last year at quarterback. He's too talented, uh, and they're going to have some different things drawn up to be successful in that game this year. I do think Alabama will edge out uh, Georgia for the SEC championship yet again, uh, and I think it it simply comes down to the playmakers on the offensive side of the ball for Alabama. I think Georgia's defense is going to keep that game close. I do think some offensive playmakers will step up to help out from on the offensive side of the ball, uh, but Alabama just goes into this season with too much talent, and if they stay healthy, they should be able to go on and win the SEC championship. That being said, I could easily see both of these teams making the Final Four, and right now, going into the first week of college football, my Final Four does read Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, and Oklahoma. I think those four teams are clearly the top four ahead of the season, Uh, and then if you go to the national championship game, The top two are pretty much set as well. It should be Alabama-Clemson in that national championship game. And and if you look at the redemption factor, my choice would be Alabama to win the national championship. Uh, But I do think Clemson will repeat as champions. The only thing that could hurt Clemson this year is their defensive front. They lose a lot of talent off that defensive line, and that could be something to watch out for. Uh, But it's tough for me to see Clemson taking a step back at all Uh, I think both Alabama and Clemson will be just as good as they were a year ago. And I do think Alabama did not play their best game in that national championship. I do think this this go-around, it'll be much closer. Uh, But at the end of the day, I just think the talent that Clemson has uh, is going to be a little bit too much. I expect that would be a high-scoring game if those two teams do meet. Um, Their offenses are both extremely talented. That's what's going to carry each of them. Uh, And that could change. We could see... One of the defenses step up and really make a statement this year. If that happens, it could lead uh, to lead in favor of one of the other teams over the other. 
to win that game more drastically. I do think Alabama's defense has the chance to be better than Clemson's this year and be better than it was last year, which could really uh, change the scope of that game with the talent that Alabama has on the offensive side of the ball. But at that point in the season, it comes down to who's healthy and who's clicking at the right time. Uh, And I think that it's going to be a toss-up of a game, uh, but I do think Clemson right now has the slight edge just going into the season. At the end of the day, uh, it could just as easily be Alabama, though. Uh, and, and who knows? It may be neither, but right now those two teams are by far the top two teams in college football. So we do have a game this Saturday taking place at Camping World Stadium there uh, in Orlando, Florida, between the Florida Gators and Miami Hurricanes. An exciting rivalry that we get to see again. They obviously just signed on for another Uh, two games in 2024 and 2025. So we'll look forward to that as well as they keep this rivalry ongoing. But uh, this is a tough game. Right now, Florida minus seven and a half uh, spread. And going into the game, um, you know, it's hard to really picture what to expect from each of these teams. Miami, obviously going into a a new tenure, a new head coach, and a first-year starter at quarterback um, who's going to have a very young offensive line with two freshmen starting on the offensive line. And that's one of the things that I think makes the difference in this game. If you look across the board, I do think Miami's going to be improved this year. I think they're a team uh, that, if you look at moving forward throughout the year, can actually compete in the ACC and may surprise a lot of people because they're definitely talented. Um, But if you look at this opener solely, they are going to be starting two freshmen, on the offensive line with a freshman quarterback. And you look at a a defensive coordinator like Todd Grantham. Uh, This is a Florida team that posted 37 sacks last year uh, and was one of the top teams in the country in getting after the quarterback. Uh, You know that they're going to come after him. Todd Grantham's going to draw some things up defensively to try to pressure that those two freshmen starting on the offensive line and a freshman quarterback. And I think that will not only be successful defensively, But on the offensive side of the ball, we talked a little bit about Dan Mullen earlier in the show when we were talking about the AP Top 25. He's a coach that is great at developing talent. Uh, He may not always have the most talented players, which he didn't at Mississippi State. He still took that team to be number one. He still had some of the best quarterbacks uh, that we've seen in the history of the sport, specifically with Dak Prescott. He's also a great recruiter in getting some of those top quarterbacks there. Um at Florida, he got both Tim Tebow and Cam Newton to uh, originally sign there. And he's just, he's a quarterback guru. And I think Felipe Franks is going to take a huge step forward this year for all, or for uh, Florida. Uh, and, and I think that that's going to be key in this game. When you have a defense that's going to be able to take advantage of a lot of freshmen on the line and at quarterback, uh, and an offense that I think can at least manage things and move forward in the right direction with Felipe Franks this year. That's something that really stuck out to me going into this game. And with Florida being a seven and a half point favorite, if you ask me who I think is going to keep this game or what I think the outcome of this game is going to be, I do see Florida winning by more than seven. So I have to go with the Gators against the spread. I do think that, um, you know, right now it would be around a 10 point game. I do think it's going to be low scoring for a while. Um, just simply from that first game of the season standpoint. Early in the season, uh, the defenses tend to be a little bit ahead of the offense, uh, and I think that'll specifically be the case 
at Miami. I don't see Miami scoring a ton of points in this game, and I think that experience for Frank, who's really taken a step forward and had a full year to work with Dan Mullen in the offseason uh, and progress his game, if history is to tell us anything, it's that Felipe Franks will come out and have a very successful season this year just simply because of the guy that's coaching him. So I expect Florida to win this game. I expect it to be around a 10 uh, 10 to 14 point game uh, to kick off the season. Should be an exciting one, though, to say the least. So we'll see what happens on Saturday night as those two get the 2019 college football season going. Um, It's been a fun first show, guys. I appreciate y'all tuning in. Obviously, there will be a lot more to come each week. Next week, we'll look back at that Florida-Miami game, I'll keep a running tally of my picks against the spread. We'll see how this first year goes with doing that. Um, But as far as the show goes moving forward, I hopefully will get some guests at some point and be able to do more than just ramble uh, for 30 minutes to an hour because I know that's only fun in my head uh, and not always necessarily fun for you guys, even though I try to give you as much information as I possibly can. Um, But we'll try to get some guests on. We'll Look ahead to the first week, uh, first full week of college football next week as we break down all of the SEC matchups, pick against the spread, uh, and focus on Nick's and his first full week as the starting quarterback going in to that game against Oregon and what we we can expect from Alabama uh, taking on Duke as well. But for now, I appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, We'll see you next week, and we'll finally have some official games to talk about and college football being back. The excitement's here. Can't wait to share it with you, but until then, hope you guys live your sports life on the edge.